Good morning, church. How we doing? Good, good. Good to see you. Glad you're here. If you are on campus, if you are online, super glad that you're with us there as well. Hey, help me out. Raise your hand if you have been on vacation already or are planning a vacation sometime this summer. Or maybe you're in both camps. You've been on one and you're planning another. If so, let me know. I'd love to tag along. Okay. I love vacations. I hope you take one. Enjoy some time with your family. And if you're like us, when we plan for a vacation, we tend to check the weather almost religiously the week heading into vacation. Anybody else like that, right? You're constantly on your weather app. You're like, what's the weather going to be like where we're going? We want to know if it's raining. We want to know if it's going to be cold. We want to know, especially if it's going to be hot. We want to prepare well. And I think most people probably do that. And if you don't, maybe you have more adventurous vacations than I do. But we tend to check the weather. And this happened a couple of years ago. It became really important. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I and our kids were planning to go to Disney World. And so we had a trip planned to Disney. We paid for it. And if you plan a trip to Disney, you know the price tag that comes along with that. Right? We had dinner reservations. We had all of our rides lined out. And we started checking the weather the week before we were planning to leave. And we noticed the weather began to turn, and it was not going to be in our favor. And, and the weather forecast wasn't just forecasting rain or wind. They were forecasting this. There it is. They were forecasting Hurricane Irma. This was 2017. We had our trip planned to Disney, and this is what the weather was predicting. Really puts in a perspective the size of a hurricane, doesn't it? Looks like it, just, it could just swallow Florida. Uh, and so we had a really important question we had to ask. Do we cancel? I mean, we've already paid for it. We've got flights. We are prepared. Do we cancel? And we had to really, I mean, you would think that would be a no-brainer, right? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to call it off. But it was, we had to wonder. You know, meteorologists mispredict weather all the time. We know that really well living in the Ohio Valley. It seems like half the time it's opposite of what they predict. We thought, well, maybe it'll just miss the coast or, or maybe it'll just rain a little bit. Maybe it's not going to be what they predict. And as we got closer and closer, Disney actually helped us make this decision because they closed their parks. There's only a few times in history that Disney has actually closed, other than during COVID, uh, before that. There's only a few times in history they'd actually closed their parks for several days. And so that decision was made easier. But when I saw this headline, I knew we were definitely out. Irma now contains sharks, right? I'm out. I'm out. A hurricane that contains sharks. Um, I'll pass. I'll pass. That seems like something I don't want to be a part of. You know, when you're checking the weather and you're planning to go somewhere and they're predicting a natural disaster, probably a good idea to avoid that area. Right, Whether it's a wildfire out in the west or it's a hurricane in Florida, it's probably best to avoid a place that's predicting a natural disaster. But sometimes we like to maybe brave that a little bit. Sometimes we want to maybe take our chances and see maybe if the people are wrong. But I know a guy who did that, and I don't necessarily want to be like this guy here. Remember this guy? Remember Lieutenant Dan from, uh, from Forrest Gump? where he's on the top of the boat and he's screaming at the hurricane to come and get him. All right, that, that, I, that's not me. I'd rather not find myself in that situation. 
I don't want to doubt the meteorologist. I don't want to doubt the weather if I think that my life is on the line. Because here's a truth. Natural disasters cause destruction. Natural disasters cause destruction. Right? It, it doesn't matter whether you're right in the eye of the storm or maybe you're on the outside. Destruction is still going to occur. There's still going to be damage. And personally, I'd rather not be anywhere near that. And this morning, I want to tell you about a natural disaster that's probably more devastating to our lives than a wildfire or a hurricane. Uh, there is a natural disaster that has been predicted with 100% accuracy. I don't know if you knew this or not. I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. A natural disaster that has been predicted with 100% accuracy. They've never missed it. And it has caused as much destruction in our lives as any hurricane has. Uh, this natural disaster has ripped apart homes. It has flooded people with tears. It has shattered lives. It has broken apart families. And it's just left a trail of destruction in its path. The natural disaster I'm talking about is adultery. The voluntary sexual relation between a married man, married person, sorry, and someone other than that person's current spouse. Right, this is a natural disaster that has been ripping through humanity for thousands and thousands of years from the beginning of time. And the destruction that it causes has been predicted in the Bible without fail, 100% of the time. And it wreaks havoc on our lives. And I'm not sure that this storm is slowing down. In fact, infidelity rates are climbing as a result of the easy access of pornography, as a result of apps that allow you to cheat just by swiping left and right. The pressures of modern living have all actually increased the rates of infidelity. The storm does not seem to be slowing down. Uh, this morning, we're continuing in our top 10 series where we're looking at the 10 commandments. And I know the little girl said, do not spit. Um, that's not a 10 commandment, but it's probably wise, right? And so we're looking at this command this morning, Exodus 20, 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. And whether you've engaged in the physical act of adultery or the emotional or mental adultery that comes through pornography or lust, we've probably all experienced some damage from this storm or we've seen this storm create damage in the lives of people that we love. This destruction is as real as any natural disaster. And yet we serve a God who calms storms. You see, you see, we serve a God who calms every storm. Do you agree with that? God calms storms. So it doesn't matter what storm we're caught in. He has the power to control it. The scripture is littered with stories of God controlling nature, not nature controlling God. Let me share you a story with you to illustrate this point. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, 
This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept, they being the religious leaders, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That is a storm-stopping moment. This woman was caught in a storm that was a life or death situation for her. The penalty for adultery in this time period was to be taken into the city and have rocks thrown at you until you die. That's what stoning was. Can you imagine? And so this woman is caught in this situation. And I think we learn a lot about the hearts of the religious people in this story, right? And I always learned it takes two to tango. And yet all they do is drag the woman out into the street. Where's the man? I'm assuming if she was caught in the act, there was probably a man with her. And yet they were focused on the woman's actions. So they drag her out into the street and they prepare to stone her, to kill her for this act. And Jesus is there. And when he sees this woman, I think he sees that she needs rescue far more than she needs destruction. She needs to be rescued far more then she needs to be destroyed. And he lays the classic line on them, whoever hasn't sinned, you throw the first stone. And they all walk away. Because we're all sinners. Hers just happened to be more visible. But we all sin. We all fall short. And Jesus looks on her and has compassion and love for her rather than punishment and judgment. And the same is true for us today. I think God looks at us today with the same love, the same compassion. He sees us and knows that we need rescue far more than we need destruction. And that's what he offered this woman. And he said this to her at the very end. He said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. In other words, he was saying, You've been rescued from the storm. So avoid it from now on. You've been rescued from this storm. So avoid it from now on. And Jesus extends that same message to us today. If you have ever caught yourself in this sin or been been the victim of this sin, God can rescue you. And maybe you have experienced that. As, As sure as we know, the sting of sin If you're in Jesus, you also know the healing power of Jesus. Uh, Like a terrible burn when you put aloe on it and it soothes it, that's God's grace. That's his love. That's the feeling of rescue. And so he's telling us the same thing today. You have been rescued from the storm. So avoid it from now on. I'm just imagining, putting myself in that woman's shoes. She has this miraculous storm-stopping moment with Jesus, and he tells her to go 
and sin no more. And so as she's walking off, I can only imagine what she's feeling and thinking. But I got to imagine that one of the things she wondered was, how do I do that? I want to do that, Jesus. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to be caught in this lifestyle. But how do I do that? And so that's the question I want to spend the rest of our morning looking at. How do we avoid the sin of adultery? How do we avoid the sin of adultery? And I have three thoughts. You might want to jot these down if you're taking notes. Three things. I think we need to check our radars. I think we need to prepare ahead of time. And we should include others. Check our radars, prepare ahead of time, and include others. Proverbs 29, 11 says this, a fool expresses all his emotions, but a wise person controls them. Every storm needs fuel. Every storm, every natural disaster needs fuel. It needs something in the environment to make it happen. And the the sin of adultery, the storm of adultery is no different. The fuel of adultery is emotion. The fuel of adultery is emotion. You see, adultery is not a logical choice. I don't think anyone has ever sat down and made a pros and cons list of committing adultery. Because if you did, if they did, they wouldn't do it. Because the con, there are no pros. There are only cons. There are no positives to this issue. Right? And I don't think any guy sat down and did the pros and cons list of accessing pornography and the effects that that would have on him or his marriage or his kids. It's not a logical decision. Adultery is made from an emotional place. I'm not much on brain science, but I do know there's a part of our brain back here in the back. And if I'm wrong, a nurse, please correct me after service. But it's called the amygdala. And it's in the back of the brain here. And it's what controls our emotions, fear, anxiety, All those emotions that are back there, they're in the amygdala. You know, that's been nicknamed the lizard brain. That's been nicknamed the lizard brain because it's reptilian in nature. It's only about survival. It's emotion driven. And that's where the sin of adultery is birthed, out of emotion, not out of logic. And so you got to check your radars. You got to check the radars. What emotions would cause you to access that pornographic website you know you shouldn't? What emotions would cause you to stay late at the office with someone of the opposite sex? What emotions would cause you to undress someone of the opposite sex with your eyes? What emotions would cause you to entertain fantasies of a life with another person that's not your spouse? What emotions lead you to those decisions? Uh, Here's maybe a list of some common emotions that that tend to fuel the storm of adultery. A lack of intimacy, a lack of respect, a busyness, fatigue, financial stress, loneliness, fear, anger, lust. These emotions that drive us to irrational decision making. You've got to check your radars. And did you notice the word radar is plural? Radars. There's two radars in your marriage. There's yours and your spouse's. You got to be aware of both radars. What emotions are you feeling that would drive you to make a decision that you would never logically make? And what emotions is your spouse feeling 
that would drive them towards making an illogical decision. Be aware of the emotions. When emotions run high, poor decision-making follows. When emotions run high, poor decision-making follows. So I think in order to try and avoid the storm of adultery, one thing we've definitely got to do is check our radars, constantly be observing, how am I feeling emotionally? What's going on inside me? What's going on inside of my spouse? And address those things early rather than letting them linger. And all of a sudden, like a soda bottle that you shake up and you take the cap off, things explode and poor decisions follow. You know, in addition to checking your radars, I think we need to prepare. Oh, I skipped my question. I'm sorry. How can the two of you work together in order to meet each other's needs, right? That's maybe the question you should ask yourself when you're dealing with each other's emotions. How do you help each other meet each other's needs? Maybe that will help drive dealing with your emotions. So check your radars, help each other out. Secondly, prepare Ahead of time, Proverbs 27, 12 says this. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. You know, maybe the best way to avoid a storm is to prepare ahead of time. I don't think any of us should be arrogant or prideful enough or naive enough to think that the storm of adultery wouldn't find us. In fact, it it today with modern technology is increasingly finding us. And so we should prepare ahead of time, be prepared to combat that storm. And I think maybe the best way to combat, maybe the best way to prepare for the storm is to work on your current relationship. Strengthen the current relationship that you're in. Here's a quick list of things you could do. I would pick one as a couple, and, and focus on that this week. So here's a list. Find a hobby. Find something you enjoy doing together. Maybe it's running, hiking, boating, fishing, skiing. I don't know. The list is endless. Find something that you enjoy doing together. Create common interest and adventure. Uh, maybe you need to serve one another. I wish I was a faster learner, uh, but... What happens in the bedroom, I think, really starts at the dishwasher and the washing machine, right? And the little things that matter throughout the week, folding the laundry, serve one another. Find a way to humble yourself and to serve one another. Or that might be a way to strengthen your relationship. Have regular date nights. Set aside time and try to get out just the two of you. How many times have we heard where uh, couples have been married 30, 40 years, kids are raised, and they don't even know who each other are anymore? They neglected their marriage. Maybe you need to focus on your marriage as much as you focus on your kids. And And I'm in this boat because my kids are little, and they require me to take care of them so they don't die. All right, if you've got young ones, you've got to help them survive. But sometimes... I think maybe we focus so much on their survival that we let our marriages die in the process. And so maybe for you, you need to take some time and focus on your marriage as much as you do your kids. And I bet that energy will pay off. Maybe for you, you need to make your spouse your screensaver or your watch face 
Or perhaps maybe even put a picture of them on your desk or on your dashboard. It's hard to cheat when your spouse is staring at you. So put their face everywhere. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it regularly so that you are prompted to think logically, not emotionally. Put their picture everywhere. Communicate regularly. Don't assume that something's being communicated. There's always something to communicate about. Pray together. Read the Bible together. And don't neglect intimacy. And that's an important part of marriage. It's the only place you can legitimately find romantic satisfaction is in your marriage. Don't neglect it. The Bible says not to neglect unless there's mutual consent, unless you have both agreed to that. And so don't neglect intimacy. We've got to check our radars. We've got to prepare ahead of time. I think we also need to include others. And and this is maybe awkward sounding because we're talking about adultery and isn't the point to exclude others, to keep them away, not to invite them in. But you see, the problem is not including others. Sometimes we include the wrong people. Sometimes we include the wrong people. Look at how it's stated in Ecclesiastes. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so I think it's important that we check our radars. We're aware of our emotions and the emotions of our spouse. I think it's important for us to prepare ahead of time and work on strengthening our current relationships. But it's just as important to let others into our lives. Our lives are better spent with other people. So who do we let in? Who do we include in our marriages? First and foremost, God. First and foremost, we allow God into our marriages. Don't just let him into your heart. Let him into your marriage. Let him into your relationship. He needs to be at the center of that. You need to filter all decisions through God and be growing closer to him all the time. Think about it this way. If you are growing closer to God and your spouse is growing closer to God, you're both growing closer to each other. If you are moving closer to God and your spouse is moving closer to God, you're actually moving closer to one another. And so focus on God. Allow him to be a part of your marriage, not just a part of your personal life, but your marriage life, your relationships. All right, we've got to let others in. I think another uh, person or group of people we let in are trusted friends. Sometimes we we can have blinders on. Sometimes we we only see what's right in front of us. And there could be a storm brewing out here that we just don't see. But maybe a friend could. Uh, Maybe a trusted friend could see some behavior or some emotion in our lives and give us a little bit of warning and let us know they see a storm brewing. It's important to let others in. God first and foremost. And let other trusted Christian friends in to help counsel and to help advise and just keep an eye on you before you end up in a storm 
not even knowing it. We've got to check our radars. We've got to be aware of our emotions. We've got to prepare ahead of time, working on our current relationships, and we've got to let other people in. God first and foremost, and trusted friends who've got our back. So we've got to do to try and avoid the sin of adultery. There's a movie that I think uh, perfectly illustrates these three points. You might remember this movie from 2000. It's called The Perfect Storm. And it was actually written uh, based on a true story and a best-selling book from 1997 called The Perfect Storm. And it, it had a star-studded cast, and it's a phenomenal movie. And it tells the story of a fishing vessel called the Andrea Gale. It's off the coast of New England, and Andrea Gale was a a well-known fishing vessel in this community. And fishing season happens from early spring to, to middle of October, late October. After that, the weather gets a little chaotic and it's hard to predict. And during this certain season of that year, this fishing crew, they're known as the long liners. They're a group of men who spend days, sometimes weeks, out at ocean fishing. And that's how they made their living. And during that season, they had had a rough fishing year did not make the money that they had anticipated. And so they decided to set out one last time at the very end of October. Halloween, actually. And they set out, and the seas are a little rough. They have a great turnout. They catch a lot of fish. But here's the problem. They ignored a few things in the process of going out. They ignored their radars. There was weather forecast. It was predicted that there would be a storm headed in that direction, maybe more than one. They'd gotten notification of that while they were out fishing and chose to instead continue pursuing to make their money versus turn around and head back to safety. They ignored the radar. And they were ill-prepared for what they were about to face. Their ship was not built to withstand the storm that they were going to be caught in. And they ignored the warning and advice of other fishing vessels and other crews who said, you probably ought to head back. Instead, they headed farther out to catch more fish. And if you watch the movie, you know the ship gets swallowed up. The ship is swallowed up by the storm and there are no survivors. And I think that serves a little bit as an analogy for us. Don't get swallowed up by the storm. Don't ignore your radars and pretend that your emotions don't matter. Don't, don't, do, don't be naive or proud or arrogant and think that you won't ever be affected by this storm. Don't neglect the advice and wisdom of others. Because the storm will overtake you if you do. But remember what I said earlier. We serve a God who calms every storm. And you know, we think maybe sometimes the best way to combat a storm is actually to fight it. I think the best way maybe to fight this storm is to surrender. You can't swim your way out of this one. Your own strength won't carry you. The best way to find your way out of this storm, if you are in that situation today or feeling yourself drift toward this sin is to surrender. Jesus doesn't just throw out a life vest. He causes the waves to cease, the storm to die down. 
He's a God who controls all things. And so I would encourage you today, if you, are, if you find yourself in a situation where you are dealing with this storm, don't fight it alone. Surrender and let God carry you through the rest of this. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room or anyone listening online that has struggled with this sin, God, I pray that they feel your love and your grace. Just like the woman who was brought out into the streets and was going to be stoned, you rescued her. You looked her directly in the eyes and loved her, not condemn her. And I pray that if there's anyone here that needs that, that they feel it, that they know that you forgive and that you love, and that they should go and sin no more. God, for those of us who maybe haven't physically engaged in adultery, but we find ourselves sometimes emotionally or mentally drawn in that direction, may you put guardrails in place, put people in our lives that will help identify storms that maybe we're just blind to. So I pray for for people to step into the lives of others and to speak into their lives and, and to offer godly wisdom and encouragement. But ultimately, Lord, we know that we cannot... We cannot fight this storm alone. Only you can stop it. You're the God who calms the seas, the winds and the waves. It's your love that extends, not just from the stories in the Bible, but all the way to today, to this very moment. So I wanna pray specifically for anybody in this room or online who has not accepted you into their lives. God, I ask that you would help them surrender so they could see your love and experience your love and grace. Thank you for your commands. Thank you for your sayings that that we can live by. And if we would just do that, how much better life would be. So give us strength and wisdom and discernment in all the decisions that we make in life. May we not be blown and tossed about by the winds and the waves of emotion may we be anchored in your truth and your love. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.